and you didn't even know it. Last week, God's Word provided us four facts for faithful prayer that enables us to move mountains in our life. If we're going to see lost loved ones redeemed, if we're going to see biblical marriage restored, if we're going to see the bodies, uh, our bodies and the bodies of our loved ones healed and helped to recover, if we're going to experience a deeper, more fulfilling relationship with God, if we're going to see the United States return to its God-centered foundation, then you're going to have to identify and know, first of all, the person of your faith. Jesus said, have faith in God. You're going to have to have faith in Him. You're also going to need to know the purpose of faith. Friends, one of the things I bet you didn't think of is that the reason you have faith is so that you will learn God's will will be done, not mine. Amen? God's will be done, not mine. That's the purpose of faith. Amen? You also must know how to possess faith. Our faith grows when we pray. And our faith also grows when we study the Word of God. And that's exactly what you're doing today. And if you will identify and know the person of your faith, if you will also know the purpose of your faith, if you will retain possession of your faith, then you will reap the payoff of faith, which is the removal of all those mountains we talked about. The removal of those mountains, and you will come into an obedient relationship with the Lord that will blow your mind. Amen? But, I hate it when there's a but. But faith must be more than belief. Do you hear me? Faith must be more than belief. Faith must result in action. What must it result in? Say it loud. Action. That's right. In today's passage, Peter shares with us several actions that should come when we have faith. Now, these actions don't come automatically just because you're a believer. They don't come automatically. They require hard work. They require effort. And you don't finish one of these actions and then start on another one of these actions. Instead, we're going to learn that we've got to do them all together, all at the same time, in order to build our faith. And we'll also find that God will empower us that God will enable us, but he also gives you and I the responsibility to apply some of these qualities to our life. So to see our faith go beyond what we believe, then we must become, we must know that these things have got to become a, a dynamic part of everything we do. They must become a part of all we do, and then they will result in great fruit, and also spiritual maturity. Now I want to remind you of something here. I want to remind you that salvation does not depend on good works. Salvation, being saved, going to heaven, does not depend on your good works. But it does result in good works. Good deeds are not required for salvation, but once you're saved, 
good works become the result. A person who claims to be saved while remaining unchanged does not understand faith. A person who claims that they have faith in Jesus Christ, but they refuse to change and become more like him, does not understand truly what God has done for him or her. So, before I get here into the heart of this message, let me say this about faith. The foundation of faith is belief. The foundation of faith is trust. The foundation of faith is a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of faith. That being the case, we need to know how can our faith grow? How can I increase my faith so that when I'm faced with these incredible barriers, these huge obstacles, these tall walls, these overwhelming mountains, how can I deal with them by faith? One answer is I probably need to add something. I probably need to add something. Now today, I want to try something a little bit different. Um, I want you to follow along in your Bibles in the book of 2 Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 1, in the first nine verses. Now what I've done is I've taken those verses and I've kind of uh, put them in my own words, if you will. You'll be able to follow along, but I want you to follow along in your Bibles as I give you the Brother Bill summary of what 2 Peter chapter 1 verses 1 through 9 say. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. The servant and apostle of the Lord Jesus says, you already have faith in God, because he's speaking to believers here, you already have faith in God, and your knowledge of God increases grace and peace toward you. The power of God will help you live your life in victory. For it is his promises that will help you become like him and to steer your life away from worldly ways. Because of these things, listen carefully, be intentional. Live your Christian life intentionally. Live your, your Christian life by working hard to add the following ingredients to your faith. Peter says, to your faith, add virtue. That's living with moral excellence. To your faith, add knowledge. That's doing what you've learned from Jesus. To your faith, add self-control. That's restraining fleshly desires. To your faith, add perseverance. That's steadfastness that's not easily swayed. To your faith, add godliness. That's a respect and a reverence toward God. To your faith, add brotherly kindness. That's compassion for your fellow man. But finally, and perhaps most importantly, to your faith in Jesus Christ, Add love. That's devotion to Jesus and 
to other people. And if those seven things are in you, and those things are increasing, listen carefully, you will be fruitful, not useless. However, if you lack these qualities, you're just plain old blind. And you've left your first love, and you've forgotten the forgiveness that you received at the beginning of your walk with God. Today, we're going to focus on these graces. We're going to focus on these qualities that Peter says believers need to add to their faith. That will make us fruitful servants of God. So, since you already have faith, I want to encourage you this morning to diligently, that is to say, night and day, working or relaxing, in season and out of season, all the time, diligently, to your faith, add virtue. Add virtue. You see, since you have this relationship with God, can I encourage you to be a person of character? Can I encourage you to be a virtuous person? Person, See, character is the reality of who you really are. A virtuous person um, is known by what they really do, not just how they're perceived to do it. Virtue is the spiritual courage and the spiritual character to stand for what is right, even in a world that's hostile towards Christians. Are you a virtuous person? Are you willing to stand for what's right, even when the world might say it's wrong? My prayer is for you is that you will be a person of character. You may have heard this old quote. It goes like this. Your ideal is what you wish you were. Your reputation is what other people think you are. But your character, that's what you really are. Are you a person of character? If not, I want to encourage you to add virtue to your faith. Add integrity to your faith. But not only should we add virtue, Peter says that to our faith we need to add knowledge. Add knowledge. It's important to see that character precedes knowledge. Not that knowledge is not important, but God uh, is not impressed with a whole lot of head knowledge that has no character. Amen? It's important to know what the prophet Hosea said. Hosea said, people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. People are destroyed for lack of knowledge. So if you want your faith to keep on ticking, if, you're want, if you want your faith to proceed even in the face of obstacles and mountains, if you want it to keep on ticking, friend, you've got to add knowledge, your knowledge of God to your faith. Now, what does that tell me? Well, it tells me that studying God's word is pretty important because I'm not going to know about God aside from his word. It tells me not only does knowing God's word or reading God's word or studying God's word, not only is that important, but obeying it is equally important. So you can never say, 
Brother Bill, I want to grow my faith. You can't say to me, Brother Bill, I truly love the Lord so much. You can't say to me, I want to serve God with all my heart if you don't show up for teaching opportunities. Amen? Let me rephrase that. Amen? Friends, before you can add knowledge to your faith, we got to get up off the couch. And we got to come to these places where teachers are teaching and preachers are preaching and sharing and studying the Word of God. we got to take advantage of opportunities that are given us. Why? Because Peter says it's important. You've got faith, but you need to add knowledge, your knowledge of God to your faith. Amen? Say that again. Amen? All right, you're with me. All right, not only to our faith do we need to add virtue, but we also must add knowledge. Peter also says, to your faith, add self-control. Since you already have faith in Jesus, add self-control. You see, God calls every one of us as Christians to live a life of discipline. We must discipline ourselves. Somebody once defined self-control by saying that self-control is the controlling power of the will under the operation of the Spirit of God. Controlling our will under the operation of the Spirit of God. I like that. Because it's important for you and I as believers to add self-control to our faith. We've got to be disciplined. Disciplined in what, Bill? Well, how about disciplined in prayer? Are you saying no matter what, Sometime in the course of this day that God has given me, I'm setting aside part of this day, I'm disciplined, and I'm going to communicate with the Lord my God. Friend, I've been guilty of not doing that like I should. And I'm committing to you today that today's the last day that's going to happen. Amen? And so I believe that we need to add self-control. Part of that is I need to be more disciplined in my prayer life. But not only that, I need to be more disciplined in Bible study. I was sharing with our life group this morning. Man, it's all the time I'm in the Word. I'm preparing for this message. I'm preparing for that Bible study. I'm preparing for that class. But you know how much time I'm, I'm preparing Bill Barlow in the Word? Not near enough. And what's the problem? I'm not self-controlled. I'm not disciplined enough to stay in the Word for me. It's great that I'm providing it for you, but what about for me? I need to be more disciplined in the Word of God. But also, would you agree that we need to be more disciplined in the use of our time? You know, that's the same. We got all the same time. Everybody has the equal amount of time, 24 hours every day. How are you going to use that time? How are you going to use your time? Are you disciplined with how you use your time? How about this? Do we have to be disciplined when it comes to curbing the cravings of the flesh? Boy, oh boy. I want this. I want that. Sometimes we got to be disciplined and we got to curb the cravings of the flesh. But we also need to be having the discipline of sacrificial living. One of the verses that has affected my ministry and affected my Christian life more than any other verse is this verse. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says, Jesus died for all. That those who live 
should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. I need to be disciplined and live a life of sacrificial living just like my Savior did. You might say, Brother Bill, I just can't control myself. I got no discipline. Anybody ever said that before? I got no discipline? Uh, I've said it too. Well, here, I'm going to give you the same response I gave myself. And my response was, whatever. Whatever. Right? You'll control what you want to control. When did we begin to swallow that lie that the enemy has thrown at us? That we can't do it? That we can't self-control ourselves? We can't control ourselves? At what point did we get deceived into believing that we can't control ourselves? Ben, you're not a slave to the devil. You're a child of God. And you've got self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's a biblical truth and a biblical promise. You've got self-control. You just need to apply it like Paul did. You see, Paul exercised self-control. Listen to what Paul said. He said, hey, Christians, I'm going to run away, run in a way that's without uncertainty. I'm going to fight this fight of faith in a way, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. It's going to do what I tell it to do. I'm going to do with my life what I tell it to do so that when I preach to others, I won't look like a hypocrite. So the next time you're tempted to lose self-control, remember by the Spirit of God, friend, you have what it takes. You've got self-control. It's already in you. You just need to access it, yield to it, and add it to your faith. Here's something else that Peter says that we should add to our faith, and that is we should add perseverance. Add perseverance. We need to be reminded that this Christian life is a challenge for good reason. Part of the reason that this Christian life is such a challenge is because it's not this unending round of these mountaintop joyous experiences. Oftentimes in our Christian lives, we are going to have valleys. Amen? Has anybody had a valley in your Christian life? Amen. We've all had valleys, and I got some horrible, horrible news for you. You're going to have more. You're going to have more valleys. You're going to have these valleys from time to time. But our faith and our trust in God is what's going to get us through and help us to endure those trials. I love the Peanuts cartoons. Charlie Brown's at bat. Strike three, you're out. Charlie Brown slumps over and he walks back to the dugout and he says, all my life I've dreamed of being a big league player, but I ain't never going to make it. And then old Lucy turns to him and says, Charlie Brown, you're thinking too far ahead. And he said, huh? She said, you need to have more immediate goals. And Charlie Brown said, immediate goals? What do you mean? She said, what you need to do is start with this next inning, and when you go out onto the field to pitch, go to the mound and make it without falling down. <laughs> Immediate goals. So many times we try to change the world, we try to change 
the entire course of our life all with one gigantic step. You can't do it. We need immediate goals. What's the point? Listen. Do the next thing. I don't know of any other way to put it simpler. When you're faced with a hurdle, just do the next thing. Persevere through the next storm. Just hang in there and don't worry about the storm that's coming next year. Just do the next thing. Because God has promised that his grace is sufficient and that he will walk with you through every storm you face. He's already there. Add perseverance. But to your faith, Peter also encourages us to add godliness. To add godliness. There should be this this supernatural quality about you. There should be this divine quality about the way you act and the way you relate to other people. Uh, There should be this quality about you that people can look at you and say, man, she is a daughter of the Lord. That is a son of the king right there. They can look at you and see that there's that divine quality. The family likeness should be unmistakable. People should be mistaking us for Jesus. Everywhere we go, every time we speak, all the attitudes we keep, man, we ought to be getting mistaken for Jesus because the family resemblance is so strong. Godliness, a spirit of reverence, a spirit of respect for God in all matters, in everything. Paul wrote to the Colossians and said, whatever you do, whatever you do, wherever you do it, whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. In everything you do. It's not some like outward compliance of this list of rules I got to keep. Godliness is this inward purity. I want to be like Jesus. I want people to mistake me for Jesus. Do they mistake you for Jesus? We've got to fear God enough to become holy. Holy is kind of like an an old-fashioned word almost. We don't use holiness enough. but, But God says, I am the Lord your God. Set yourselves apart And be holy because I am holy. So friend, that that holiness is not an old-fashioned idea. It's a command from God. He instructs us to be holy because he's holy. So add add it to your faith. Add godliness to your faith. But also, Peter says that to our faith, we should add brotherly kindness. Tell me who said this. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Who said that? Who? Who? Jesus said that. It's exactly right. Friends, because we have this relationship with God, because we have faith in Christ, we ought to continually exercise a walk of love with our brothers and sisters. Always walking in love. And that kind of love will lead us to love all mankind. And we need that in this day and time. We need brotherly kindness. 
And you say, Bill, that's tough for me. It's hard for me to be kind to some people. But I want to tell you this. Brotherly kindness is not a matter of emotion. You don't do it just because you feel like it. You do it because you choose to do it. It's not a matter of emotion. It's a matter of the will. And that is, got, we got to know that it's not some sentimental experience. Instead, it's a commandment we should obey. Add brotherly kindness. When you think about the New Testament look at that word, brotherly kindness, you see that it's actually supernatural. Brotherly kindness is actually God's love revealed. How can I reveal the love of God? Man, I want to do that. How can I reveal the love of God? Well, let me uh, analyze how I spend my time. Am I spending my time for me and my job? Am I spending my time for the glory of God and for other people? If I want to reveal the love of God to other people, uh, let me analyze how I'm using my talents. You know, I ain't got very many of them, but what I've got, I want to use for the glory of God. Amen? Everybody's got a spiritual gift. If you're a believer, the Holy Spirit says you're gifted. You've got spiritual gifts, but it's your responsibility to find out what that gift is and then also to use it. I need to analyze how am I going to spend my treasure? You know, on our checking account, we have a register, and it lists everything we spend our money on. And by analyzing that register, you can discover exactly where your priorities are. You can analyze that and find out exactly where you're revealing the love of God. Are you revealing the love of God to Florence Utilities? Probably. How about to your mortgagee? Probably. But there should be a lot of other places where the love of God is being revealed right there in your check register. What about just giving our lives for other people? When you look in the mirror and you say, all right, buddy, how are you using your life for the glory of God? How are you using your life for other people? You know, as I begin thinking about our Christians in Action children ministry, coming up quick, I can't think of a better opportunity for my answer to be to that person I see in the mirror saying, I'm giving my life to kids. I'm giving my life to the next generation. I want my kids and my grandkids and your kids and your grandchildren, I want them to know Jesus, and I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure they do. And if that means i got to chalk two and a half hours on to my work day, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to reveal the love of God that way. Paul said to the Roman Christians, he said, be kindly affectionate to one another, giving preference to one another. That means making somebody else more important than you. So to your faith, add virtue. To your faith, add knowledge, add self-control, add perseverance, add godliness, add brotherly kindness. And finally, but certainly not least, Peter says, to your faith, add love. This love that Peter's talking about here is the absolute highest form of love that there is. It's called agape love. 
It's a love that doesn't add requirements. It's a love that doesn't say, I love you if. It's not a love that says, hey, buddy, I love you when. No, the love that Peter's talking about here is unconditional love. It's a godlike love. And Peter says you need to add it to your faith. Sacrificial love. You see, I always find that faith and love go hand in hand. Faith and love go hand in hand. And Paul even said, listen to what he said. He said, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I don't have love, I'm like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. All I'm doing is making noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all the mysteries of God and I have all the knowledge and I, I have all the faith, so much faith that I could move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. You see, friend, Christianity without love does not exist. It doesn't exist. It cannot be. So we need all seven of these all together, all at the same time, working in conjunction with one another if our faith is going to take a licking and keep on ticking. As I was studying this passage, I wrote a few thoughts myself. And I want to share these thoughts with you. And that is this. We all have faith. I pray that everyone here knows the Lord Jesus Christ and you have faith in Him. But faith without character is fake. Faith without knowledge, knowledge of God, is aimless. Faith without self-control is hypocritical. Faith without perseverance is only temporary. Because you're not going to hang in there. Faith without godliness is empty. Faith without brotherly kindness is self-serving. And finally, faith without love is a lie. Christianity cannot exist without love. And it's not only those who love you back. Friend, the Son of God 